So hanging on the wall of Mother Teresa's home for children in Calcutta was a poem. It's on the cover of your bulletin this morning, at least in part of it. It seems to have been adapted from somebody else's words, but Mother Teresa found them inspirational, and she reworked them into her own sort of manifesto and hung them on her wall. And this is what the full poem says. People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. I love that poem, and it always reminds me how much time I spend worrying about what other people think. Maybe it's because it was graduation weekend here in the Roaring Fork Valley, or maybe because I have three kids who are launching out into the world, and I want them to go confidently and securely in the knowledge that they are children of God and children of mine. Uh, maybe it's because I just need the reminders myself. But I find this kind of thing, like this poem, it really speaks to our call to be courageous in our moral, ethical, and spiritual lives. I think that it teaches us to just shine with the light of Christ, regardless of what others may think of us or say about us. And I think that that kind of courage matters to Jesus, too. And here's why. People have a lot of ideas about what it means to be Christian, especially non-Christians. But Christians of all walks of life have different ways of showing up in the world. And there are some very loud voices out there selling their brand of Christianity. And even though I know that each of us is going to bring our own experiences and our own unique cultures and community to religious expression, I would sure hate for all of Christianity to be represented simply by its loudest voices. I think we need to be represented by our actions as well. I'd love it if people could see you do good in the world and maybe not even know why you do it, but just see you shining with God's light and understand at least that. Ralph Waldo Emerson had a great quote. He said, what you do speaks so loudly, I cannot hear what you're saying. For good or for bad, our actions speak volumes. And as I said, I think that courageous action matters to Jesus, and I think it matters to the world out there beyond our walls. In fact, I might even argue that people are not seeing enough 
courageous action from Christians. And that might be one of the reasons why church attendance is declining. There's no question that people think church has become somewhat irrelevant to them. Surveys show it, research supports it. Young people in particular don't see church as inspiring. It doesn't move them intellectually or emotionally. Many young people and others as well think that church, people at church are hypocritical. They think churches are judgmental. They think that church as a whole points a finger at them and their friends and coworkers. And so they think, rightly so, why would I want to be part of that? No one needs to be guilted into religion or to be given some heavy-handed evangelization. And while it pains me to even say this, some people will know, I don't even think that young people need our church traditions if it comes at the expense of a real, live, meaningful spiritual experience. I'm not saying that tradition isn't important or that evangelization isn't important. They both are. They're hugely important to our Christian expression. But people are not joining our churches because of the way that we dip our bread into our wine. They're not joining our churches because of the number of candles that we have on the chancel. In fact, I bet young people today wouldn't even know what a chancel is, and probably some of you don't either. You can look it up after you go home. <laughs> I don't profess to know what is going to move every single person into a relationship with God. I will trust in the Holy Spirit to do her work there. But what I can say is that Emerson was right. Mother Teresa was right. What we do more than what we say, more than what we feel, matters. People don't need to be told to be courageous. They need to see examples of courage in action. People need to see the rebel Jesus. Not just Jesus the teacher, or Jesus the lover, or Jesus the comforter, all of which we need at different times, but sometimes we need the rebel Jesus, which is how he showed up today in our scripture reading. When he blatantly defies the religious leaders and the rule of the day and takes care of some business on the Sabbath. But before we get to that, I want to talk about how Jesus told us to make disciples of all nations, yes, but he also told us how to do, as Emerson said, and speak loudly, not with words, but with our actions. Jesus actually gave us the perfect strategy for creating change in the world. He did this in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, let your light so shine before others that they might see your good works and give glory to God. This is how we evangelize to people. We show them the kingdom of God by what we do every day. Some of you I know are writers or have studied creative writing or some of you may just love to read good writing. One of the things that writers learn early is the art of showing, not telling. Allowing the reader to really experience the story through action, through feelings and the senses. Don't tell me the moon is shining. Show me the glint of light on broken glass. You may have heard that phrase. We want people to be able to close their eyes and picture the scene as it unfolds before them. But it's easier sometimes to just tell people what to think, isn't it? 
or how to behave. Because the truth is that when I show you, that reveals a little something about me, doesn't it? It becomes personal. Because my light is my light. It's going to be different than your light. It's going to shine differently than other people's. My actions, my good works, as Jesus called them, are distinctively mine. Yours are distinctively yours. And that can be scary. You might put yourselves out there caring for the least of these in ways that not everyone will understand or agree with. And so what if people disagree with me? What if I don't express myself well enough? What if I get pushback from people I really admire? What if I don't know the answer to something? I want my light to shine, but just maybe not that much, we think. I don't want to be that bold. Well, I would say to that, look no further than Jesus' own disciples. In the book of Acts, which contains a kind of fast-paced account of the early church, John and Peter were arrested for preaching and teaching about Jesus and for healing people in the name of Jesus. And they were forced to answer for themselves before a council of high priests who were not friendly, shall we say, toward Peter and John. But Peter and John, filled with the Holy Spirit, made quite an impression on the the priests and the people who were gathered there to witness it. People said that they saw the boldness of them before the high priests, and they saw that the two were uneducated, ordinary men, and they were amazed and immediately recognized them as companions of Jesus. I want to be recognized as a companion of Jesus. I want you to be recognized as companions of Jesus. Not because you preached to people, because God knows we get enough of that, and not just on Sunday mornings. But I want you to be recognized as a companion of Jesus because you have let your light shine so brightly. You have been filled with the Holy Spirit so much that in all you do, people can't help but see God in your midst. They can't help but see God when we serve the homeless here in the Roaring Fork Valley. They can't help but see God when we embrace people with disabilities. They can't help but see God when we champion those who need our voices. They can't help but see God when we welcome the stranger, take care of the least of these, and take notice of people in all kinds of need. When I see you caring for someone, I'm drawn to that. I want to be part of that. And I would say to the young people who are here today, if you want to see more young people like you in the pews sitting next to you, let your light shine. Show them the church that you want to have. Show them the church you want to be part of. Let them know through your actions that church is not irrelevant, it's not uninspiring, it's not hypocritical. Be bold in caring for those around you, and your light will shine so brightly that they will know God is at work right here in this place. Now, I also say that as someone who firmly believes that church is not just in here, but also out there. In fact, we can't have one without the other. We are the arms and the legs of the body of Christ. We have to get out there. I know for a fact, the Bible tells us so, that Christ certainly didn't just sit around inside the walls of the synagogue. He was too busy talking with people. 
He was too busy talking with women, dining with sinners, making friends, making friends with people that society said weren't even worthy. And I tend to think Jesus had a pretty good time doing it. Last weekend, uh, Kara, our director of Children, Youth, and Families, and her husband, Adam, who's our sound engineer in the back, decided that they wanted to have a party to get to know some other young families in, in the valley. And they thought that maybe their condo was just a little bit too small for all the people that they envisioned. And so they asked if they could have the party right here at the church. And so they brought in the, the slip and slides and there was a giant like bouncy house slip and slide thing that looked like it required some safety gear. And they, they fired up the grill and they blared the music and it had 75 people show up, young families who just came to hang out with them. And it wasn't because Adam and Kara were out there telling people, you know, we should really be in community. You know, this is, this is really how we should learn to care for each other. Or, or this is how we love our neighbor. No, they were out there showing people how it's done and having fun doing it. I was so pleased to see the example of just having a good time together. Our religious life should not be bored or boring. When we are bold, life is infinitely more fun, isn't it? In the words of St. Teresa of Avila, she said, from silly devotions and sour-faced saints, Lord, preserve us. <laughs> we have been set free from fear and worry, thanks to the saving grace of God. We have been set free from the fear of death and from the fears of this life. We should be hurling ourselves down giant bouncy house slip and slides. Robert Hodgkins is a theologian from the University of Chicago, and he said Christians should be celebrating every day. We ought to attract people to the church, he says, quite literally by the fun we are having being Christians. I love that. This place right here will fill to overflowing when we are all out there shining so brightly that people will want to know what the heck is going on at Snowmass Chapel. If you are visiting today or you're watching online, the same is true wherever you are. Shine your light so brightly that people will be drawn to you and to your churches and to your spiritual communities. They will want to know more about this rebel Jesus who says, be bold, agents of change in the world. Did anybody watch the royal wedding a couple of weeks ago? You may have seen Bishop Michael Curry giving uh, his, his sermon to the royal couple. I would say his light shined pretty brightly. He got up in front of the entire world and preached, love God, love people. Pretty sure he took a script from one of Robert Duetter's sermons. <laughs> but the point is, be ready. Spend time asking God to open your heart and your mind to bold new experiences. Practice caring for those in need. Do the little things that push you forward just a little bit from the place you are in today. Act on your faith in God, not in your faith that God exists, but in your faith that God is with you. God will prepare you for those moments in your life where you need to be bold, and God will speak through you when the time is right. Bishop Curry wrote a little bit of a reflection on his uh, sermon heard around the world. I read it last week in Time Magazine, and he said at some point during that sermon, God just really showed up. He wrote, part of me suspects that in spite of me and my foibles, 
God was trying to say something to the couple and to everyone else there. He said, I was just a small vessel in that transaction. Well, the lesson for me, I'm just a small vessel. As long as I show up where I'm called, take action where I see it, lead with love, which is what it's all about, God will make the message known. There's a lot of humility in that and a lot of relief. It's not about me. God will get it done. I just have to be present. I have to notice the need and be willing to jump into the fray. I have to ask, what's the next right thing here, God? And then act with boldness because God will get done what needs to be done. Forces are at work in this world far greater than what we can imagine or comprehend. So keep shining your light. Keep showing the world the kingdom of God. Be courageous agents of change. But let God be God. In today's scripture, which I promised we would get back to, Jesus was angry with the Pharisees who tried to stand in his way of healing a man simply because it was the Sabbath and therefore forbidden because it was a day of rest. It's worth noting, by the way, that the only people Jesus ever got angry with are religious leaders. I kind of like that. It keeps me on track. <laughs> but Jesus was angry, our scripture says, and that he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts. To Jesus, this fixation on the law by the Pharisees was the opposite of love. It was the opposite of what was intended when God commanded us to keep the Sabbath day holy. How could they turn their backs on a person in need? How can we? Jesus was furious, and the Pharisees were fuming. Jesus was fuming, and in this sort of stare down with each other, the Pharisees were in essence looking at Jesus saying, go ahead, we dare you. And Jesus stared him right in the eye, and then he turned to the man with the withered hand, and he said, stretch out your hand, and he healed him. Be courageous agents of change. Let God be God. God will get us where we need to be as individuals, as communities, as a nation, as the world. Most of the time, we have to act in the small stuff. That's great. It's practice. The small stuff is practice. But we have to act because it all matters. Every good deed matters. It all shines a light on what God means by on earth as it is in heaven. These small steps of ours free our hearts and our minds from external worry. And they prepare us from those moments, for those moments, when we must simply do the right thing and filled with the power and love of God, go out and boldly change the world. So I invite us to just a few moments of personal reflection as together we pray this morning. I invite you to think about those areas in your own life, whether it's an individual journey, a spiritual journey, ethical, moral journey, whatever it is that you may need to be, moving yourself forward one step at a time, courageously taking action. And let us pray.